listening to the Living Room North Living Room North Living Room North podcast. We are concluding our series called Alcatraz tonight. And so as I was thinking about and preparing for tonight, I had a little story that I want to tell you. I like stories. I like telling stories. Um, I like uh, using stories to make a point. And so I want to open up tonight with a little story about myself. Um, I don't know about you guys, but for me, the last... uh, few months off 2020 has just been, uh, it's been an emotional roller coaster. I have been, you know, there's been times where I'm like, man, this staying at home every day and sleeping in and stuff. It's super nice. And then there's days where I'm like, I have cabin fever and I will do anything to get out of this house and these four walls. And there's been days I'm like, I can't wait to go back to work. And then there was days where I went back to work and I was like, why did I ever wish for this? And I've had all this like, you know, weird experiences. Well, somewhere along the way, I figured out uh, during the quarantine season um, that uh, I experienced something and and maybe some of you guys did too. I got to the point where during quarantine, um, I would board eat. Uh, If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, you know, when it's like, oh, you know, it's 3 p.m. I'm going to go eat everything in the pantry, you know, and it's, you don't, not really hungry. Like you just had lunch, but I was just like, I think I'm going to go and grab a snack. And then I would eat like a full meal. And, and I was like, what just happened? And before I realized it, by the end of the summer, um, some of you guys, y'all are, you know, college age adults in, in, in this place tonight. And, uh, you know, y'all have heard of the freshman 15. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so I inherited the quarantine 15 uh, a couple months ago where I was like, I got, you know, I realized I was like, oh my gosh, like, I have ballooned up just sitting at home and eating every day. Turns out that's terrible for you. Who would have thought? And so I realized like, all right, this is unacceptable. Like the weather is warmed up. It's nice. Like I need to like start eating better. I need to start exercising and getting on like a normal sleep schedule. Like I got to kind of get myself together a little bit. So I decided I was like, all right, I'm going to start eating better. I'm going to start eating more salads, less Chick-fil-A. And, you know, I'm going to start, you know, cutting out desserts and I'm going to do all this stuff. So for a few weeks, it was going really well. And, you know, I I felt like I was creating better habits and moving in the right direction. And then um, it's funny enough, you know, how many of you guys here go to UNG, UNG students in the room, make some noise? That's cool. You have to make some noise because I can't see you. You're all just an amorphous blob in front of me. So, uh, I, you know, yeah. So my wife and I went up to Dahlonega. This is probably about a month ago now. And we were just spent the day up there. It was a beautiful Saturday afternoon. And, and we hung out in Dahlonega and, and we ended the, the afternoon by going down to the square. And we were going to, hey, while we're in Dahlonega, we're going to go eat dinner at Spirits Tavern and have one of their burgers because they have the best burgers in the world. And so we're like, we're going to go eat it at Spirits. And we get there and it's a Saturday night. And some of you guys may have experienced this, but they were like, yeah, it's a 45 minute wait. And we're like, that's a long time. Um, It turned out to be an hour and a half wait, but that's not the story I'm telling. And so what we decided to do was we're like, hey, it's great. We're in Dahlonega. We don't come up here all the time. Like what a great opportunity for us to go and just like walk around the square, go in some of the shops, you know, everything. Guys, we weren't two steps away from Spirits Tavern. And I had an armful of stuff at the fudge factory and I was standing at the counter and she was like, do you want anything else? I was like, I don't think I can hold anything else. And it was one of those moments where I was like, all that stuff that I worked so hard for was gone in a minute because the stinking fudge factory smells like heaven and tastes somehow even better. And so it was one of those moments where I realized, I was like, I think that uh, having an idea that I want to you know, lose my quarantine 15 was a great idea. But when I found myself face-to-face with delicious chocolate fudge, um, my willpower was 
really, really weak. And essentially, I tell you that story tonight because that's kind of what we're talking about tonight, how we're concluding this series, Alcatraz, tonight. We're talking about how we fight temptation. And I thought, I mean, the band did an absolutely awesome job. Lauren and Alex and Josh and, and uh, Gabe did a great job in Linux and worship. And that last song said, this is how I fight my battles. And that's exactly what we're talking about tonight, how we fight the battles of temptation in our lives. And I am telling you that story about me because I'm like, hey, so that we're all clear and everybody's on the same page here tonight. I'm not telling you as the sage on the stage, I'm not the guy who has all the answers. I'm like, hey, this is how I'm fighting my battles and how I sometimes lose them as well. So like tonight we're gonna try to learn and grow together. We're gonna try to uh, like, you know, hear some truths from God's word and kind of what God teaches us about how we fight the battle of temptation because we all fight this battle. Whether you have a faith in God or not, we all fight this battle of uh, temptation in our lives. And essentially I was trying to figure out what fighting temptation looks like in our lives. And, and I kind of came up with, with this definition that's going to pop up here behind me. And it's saying no to the things that we so badly want to say yes to. I so badly wanted to go to Spirit's Tavern that night and order a salad and drink a water and have no fudge. But instead, you know, I went there and probably had like a Coke and a burger that was like grease dripping down on my elbows while I ate it. And I washed it down with like three pounds of fudge. And it was one of those things that's like, man, I so badly said yes to all the wrong things tonight. And what I really wanted to do was say no to those things because I was working hard and exercising like a madman. And when you're at my age in life, you know, exercise isn't good enough. You have to eat clean and eating clean is terrible. Let's just be honest. Nobody likes that. And it was one of those times where I was like, man, this is exactly what we're talking about tonight. Like I could not bring myself to say no to the things I really wanted to say yes to. And if I had to guess, you've probably found yourself in a similar situation at some point in time in your life. And I know that because um, in our world, in our culture today, the self-help industry, like between books and podcasts and TV shows and, you know, magazines and, and all the like, uh, you know, influencers on social media and stuff that you can follow is a 10 billion with a B dollar a year industry. That means every year Americans spend $10 billion trying to learn how to change their life, how to help themselves. And basically what most of those self-help books come down to is, hey, you've got to learn how to discipline yourself. You got to know how to say no to the things that you don't want to do and say yes to the things that you do want to do. We have to learn exactly what this says to say no to the things that we so badly want to say yes to. And you've experienced this. You've probably been there at some point in time in your life. Like, you know, I use the example of like trying to, to uh, you know, eat healthy versus not eat healthy. Like there's no point in time when my wife is like, hey, uh, you know, I need you to go to the store and Heath, don't you come back with a bunch of sweets. I know you have a sweet tooth. Do not come back with a bunch of sweets. I want you to come back with healthy foods, right? Like we know this is like, all right, I know what she means. Like I need to come back with stuff that cows eat. Like I need to come back with green things and salads and, and things that taste terrible and that like small children refuse to eat. Like these are the things that she wants me to bring home from the grocery store. But then I get to like Publix or, or Kroger or wherever I'm going and you know, I'm walking down to like, all right, I'm gonna have blinders on. I'm gonna go get some chicken. We're gonna eat some lean protein, whatever. And I just happen to, you know, meander down the ice cream aisle. And I mean, who doesn't like ice cream in the summertime, right? And it's one of those moments where I'm like, this is a really hard moment for me to say no to the thing that I really want to say yes to, right? Like Moose Tracks makes every day a lot better. And I'm fully believe that. But it's one of those things where it's not just that it's like, Hey, maybe it's like when it comes down to money, like there's a lot of times we have to say 
you know, no to things that we really badly want to say yes to. Amazon Prime, gift and a curse. Am I right? Like if you come across, like you get a paycheck from work and they're like, okay, this is like, so you can pay rent and eat food that's good for you, not the food that Heath eats. And you're like, okay, that's cool. But I also have an Amazon Prime account. And well, that, that, th this thing that I've had my eye on for weeks can be here in two days or less. And I really badly want to say yes to this, even though I know that I should say no to it and spend and save my money and do it wisely. Or maybe for you, it's, it's not that. It's like, hey, how you spend your time. Like, hey, I know tonight when I leave TLR, I have a paper due tomorrow and I need to go home. And I need to work on that paper. But also like I'm tired and I had to listen to this guy talk about his quarantine 15 for a long time. And I really just want to go home and, you know, go to sleep or hang out with my friends after small group and go get some of that delicious ice cream he was talking about. Or, you know, you're, you're going to be tempted to say no to the thing you know you should do. You know you should go home, work on the paper. You're going to be tempted to say no to that and say yes to the thing you really do want to do. And that is temptation. And temptation comes for us and it comes at us in so many different ways and it comes at us in so many different angles that a lot of times we aren't even paying attention and we fall into temptation. We slip up and say yes to things that we're not supposed to say yes to because we're not paying attention to what's happening and what's going on around us. And what that can really lead to, and as it plays into our series, Alcatraz, you know, Alcatraz talks about how sin can imprison us, how it can keep us from doing uh, the things that we want to do, keep us from living the life that God wants us to live. And a lot of times we can actually sin our way into this, you know, this state. We can, you know, fall into sin by saying yes to the wrong temptation because sin is basically just missing the, missing the mark. It's getting it wrong. And sin can entangle us, it can entrap us, it makes us feel lonely, it makes us feel isolated. And it, it essentially, you know, keeps us from doing the thing that we want to do, from living the life that God has called you to live. And so tonight we're kind of wrapping up that series by talking about how can we discipline ourselves in order to live a life that God wants us to live. So that we can say no to all the things that we so badly want to say yes to at times. And I think this basically comes down to two things for us. It's the nature of temptation and how we fight temptation. And so as we talk about the nature of temptation, I think that we're going to look, uh, first of all, to James. James wrote a letter. It's found in the New Testament. It's towards the back. If you have a Bible, if not, it's going to be on the screen behind me. And James writes in talking about battling temptation. And he says, hey, let me clear the air on what temptation is. Because I think a lot of times we view temptation not as something that can entangle us, something that can isolate us, something that can separate us from God, but we look at it as almost a test from God. That God lays this thing out before us and he's like, all right, let's see if you really believe in me. Let's see how your faith really works. And let's see how you really put your trust in my best interest and my plan for your life. And so James says, hey, I don't know if that's how things goes. And in James chapter one, starting in verse 13, we see James kind of address what temptation is and how it affects us. And in verse 13, he starts by saying this. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after your desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it's full grown, gives birth to death. In these verses, what James basically tells us is like, hey, God's not the one tempting you. God doesn't lay out a plan for you. It's like, all right, here's your test. Let's see where your faith really lies. Or, or let's see, you know, Heath, how good can you stand up to the fudge factory with your diet? Like God is not like rolling out temptations in your life to see where you stand and see how you measure up. In fact, James says, God doesn't tempt anyone because most of the time our temptations are to do things that are evil and displeasing towards him. And he says that it's actually quite the opposite. 
we tempt ourselves. Like the evil desires and the evil fallen nature within us tempt ourselves. And he's basically saying, hey, you're not as good as you think you are. And it's, the temptation is you just caving to what your heart truly longs for. Now, for most of us, we're like, well, I don't think I'm that bad. Like, I, you know, I give up my Wednesday night to come to TLR and, you know, I come here and I listen to you talk about your quarantine 15 and, and I, I go to a small group and I participate and I do my best to live my life for Jesus. Am I really that bad? And James would emphatically say, yeah, you are. And if you, if you don't believe me, uh, some of you in this room maybe have younger siblings or you can remember when they were little or some of you, maybe you put your way, you know, put gas in your car in high school by babysitting small kids. Um, if you've ever babysat small kids, we don't have to teach them to do bad. They just know, right? They're just these little like three foot tall monsters that just like, you know, they know how to destroy things. They know how to like misbehave. If you say, hey, it's time for bed. They're like, no, and they pitch a fit. And like nobody taught them how to do that, right? Their parents aren't like, all right, when the babysitter gets here, you're gonna lose your mind, right? They're not, that's not how that works, right? Like that's just, it's just in us. We have this bent inside of us to do bad all by ourselves. Like we don't need help. We don't need temptation. In fact, temptation is when we say no to what we're supposed to do, to what God has for us. And we say yes to what we deep down really actually want for ourselves. And so what James says is like, hey, and in the moment, you may have some consequences, you may not. But ultimately falling into temptation leads to sin and sin ultimately leads to death. And so what you're doing every time you fall into temptation is you are confirming the sin that's in your heart, the sin that has consumed mankind and the sin that makes each and every one of us one day have to face the grave head on. And so James teaches and says, hey, whoa, whoa, it's not God that tempts us. The nature of temptation is our fleshly desires, our heart's desires being played out in public for people to see. And I think that that's really important for us to understand because basically what temptation does to us is that it entices us. And the word entice literally means to bait. It literally baits us into doing something that we don't want to do, right? Our, our definition of temptation, saying no to things that we want to say yes to. Well, what temptation does is it baits you into saying yes to it anyways. It's like, hey, in your brain, you know you don't want to do this. In your brain, you know this is wrong. And yet you still do it anyways. Yeah, I know you guys have probably been there before where you're like, you, you, you make a mistake, you do something and you're like, what is wrong with me? I know better than this. Especially if it's something that you've struggled with for a long time. You're like, I don't know why I can't seem to shake this and why I can't seem to get this right. And essentially what James is telling us is that for us, temptation is um, a, a first step in leading to sin and sin ultimately leads us to death. And so he's telling us that uh, what he really wants us to know is this, is that temptation is not the same as sin. It's not the same thing. It's just a step that leads us toward sin. And we don't need any help. Like we do bad just fine on our own. Nobody has to help us. And I think about this all the time because I'm like, wow, you know, a lot of times when I find myself struggling with sin, um, I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I put blame on other people, right? Like, wow, the, you know, the enemy has just really tempted me or, or man, they're just, they're, there's just a lot of things that are coming at me right now. I got to get better friends or, you know, you know, it's so-and-so's fault. Like at work, they're just being so mean to me. Or like, you know, you, you find all these things, these excuses where you can point the blame elsewhere. And it's like, well, it's not really my fault. Like if, if my parents would have raised me better, let's be honest, it's really their fault. And like, you have all these opportunities to point the blame and point it at somebody else. But what James is saying is like, Hey man, it's, it's your heart. It's not your friends. It's not your parents. It's not the people at work. It's not your professors at school, it's, it, it's you. That's the problem. And he says, what we have to do is to be prepared for the battle because what, what you know, temptation is, it's a battle for your heart. 
You're tempted to follow what your heart's desires are, you know, and that's a, a funny expression that we know and we've heard probably our whole lives, like, hey, just follow your heart. You know, I think James would be like, absolutely not. You're, he literally calls our hearts evil. He's like, don't follow your heart. That's a terrible advice. He's like, what you need to do is to like, you know, say no to your heart's desires and follow God's heart. And essentially I started thinking about this and I was like, what, what is a good depiction of what kind of temptation and sin do in our lives? And I thought about when I was a kid, uh, I grew up kind of in, uh, not kind of, I grew up in the country. Like I, I'm from like a part of Alabama where I have to tell you like three cities that are much larger than the town I grew up in so that you might actually have heard of it. And so I'm, I'm from this like really rural part of Alabama and my parents lived like kind of out, like even for like Alabama, we lived in like the rural part of rural Alabama. So like, if you guys can imagine how amazing it is that I have all my teeth, like that's like a, a fact to be celebrated, right? So, and, and don't give me that, I'm from Alabama, I can make that joke. So like, I, I'm like, you know, we grew up in the country. And so in the country we have, you know, we had these like, we lived in the woods and we had this field and uh, a lot of times there would be mice in the field and the mice would get in our house. And my mom is a clean freak. Like she's one of those type A people that's like, you know, walks by your dresser and licks her finger and sees if there's any dust on there. Like you didn't clean your room good enough, moms. And so she, you know, would walk into the house. And I, for a while, I thought she had like a superpower because she'd walk into the house and be like, there's a mouse in this house. And I'm like, well, how do you know that? Like, what do you, do you sniff mice all the time? Like, how do you know that? And I came to find out that they, they, their poo has this distinct smell, but like she would walk in and she's like, we have mice. And she's like, we have to do something. And so it was myself and I had a younger brother and she was like, oh, perfect. Let these idiots do it. And so she was like, what you guys got to do is set these traps, these mouse traps and put them like in the basement, in the garage. And we had to bait the traps, right? Like we had to put something on the mouse trap that would entice the, the mouse, the mice, the mouses, the mice to come out and to, you know, take the bait and to fall into the trap. And essentially temptation works the exact same way in our lives because I would, we would set those traps. And then, you know, the next morning mom would like, go check your mouse traps, you know, whatever. And we'd go down there and there'd be like a, you know, a dead mouse in the mouse trap. And I'd be like, Ugh. you know, like, I, I don't want breakfast today, mom. Like I'm, I'm a little nauseous. And my, my little brother was kind of a psychopath. He's like, it's legs still twitching. This is awesome. And it was, you know, one of those moments where I realized I was like, I'm not cut out for this. Like I couldn't be a vet. And I was like, this is gross. And I was like, how are the mice so, like we would have like three of them in the traps. I was like, what if these idiots had to go first, right? Like somebody had to see how that went and he'd be like, I think I'm quick enough, right? I think I can get in there, grab the little bit of peanut butter. Everybody thinks it's cheese. It's actually peanut butter. You put a little bit of peanut butter on there and I'm like trying to stick my finger in it and get a bite. But it's one of those things where it's like, I know I was like, how did the, the, the other two, especially the last guy, like one of these was, went, went last and was like, yeah, I saw how it played out for the other two, but I think I am a little bit faster and I can definitely get through here. And then in the morning, you know, my brother and I are cleaning out three mouse traps with dead mice in it. And in our lives, temptation plays out the same way. The temptation that you're faced with is the bait. And, you know, a lot of times we see other people's temptations and we're like, how do they fall for that time and time again? Silly girl, right? Like we, we, I can't believe she just goes back to him every time. You know, it's like, I can't believe that he still thinks he can get away with this, right? We, we have these things and we're like, I can't believe they fall for that temptation time and time and time again. It's easy to see that in other people's eyes, but in our own lives, we see that bait and we're like, you know, that looks pretty good. And I think, you know, I know it's not good for me and I've seen it destroy other people, but I'm stronger than them and I have a good hold on my life. And I think I can get in and get out and no one gets hurt, right? And we take the same bait time and time again in our lives. And in this illustration, temptation is the bait, the trap is sin. And if you've seen like cartoons and stuff, you know how this ends, like the, the trap gets triggered and it slams shut. And that's ultimately what we face in our lives because of temptation and sin that we wrestle with. And in our lives, um, most of the time, temptation doesn't 
entice us with our minds. It entices us with our emotions and with our heart. It's, it, you, you never rarely hear anyone say, um, so Friday night, uh, I went out with my friends to a bar and I looked up how many alcohols I could have before I was over the legal limit and I judged it to be one and I had that many and I went home. Like nobody does that. They're like, hey, I went out with some friends last night and it got crazy. I don't even know what I was thinking. Like we don't, we, we, we feel these feelings of like longing for acceptance, to be part of the crowd, to be one with everybody else. We want to feel loved. We want, we, it's our feelings, it's our emotions that are the bait. Very rarely are we enticed with things that we know to be true. If I came to you tonight and I said, hey, here's a temptation. Let's you know, go rob a bank or something. You're going to be like, are you serious? Like everyone here, Heath, knows that that is a terrible idea and you have no experience robbing banks and we're all going to go to jail um, and this isn't going to work. Like you're, 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 you're stupid. If I walked up here and I was like, who wants to make some easy money tonight? Right? Everybody's like, hey, I'll hear you out. I just, I don't know that I'm in, but I, what, do you, what do you have to say? Because, you know, a brother's got to eat. So it's, it's one of those situations where we, we play on people's emotions. Like the, our, our emotions are the bait, not our minds. And so our emotions are enticed easily. And the more emotional we feel, the easier we are enticed. Uh, there's a, there's a, a thing, a, a program kind of thing where, uh, for people who are struggling with addictions, where they say the times that they feel the most tempted to slide back into um, addictions out of their period of sobriety um, is when they feel this in one of these four things, and they abbreviate it HALT, H-A-L-T. And the abbreviation stands for hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. That if you're, if you're a recovering addict from whatever you're addicted to, the times where you're most susceptible to falling back into that temptation, to, to falling off the wagon and getting back into the thing that you're trying to recover from is when you feel the emotions of hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And think about it in your life, right? Like when I'm starving and, and I have a 45 minute wait to go into Spirit's Tavern and I wander into the delicious smelling fudge factory, at that point in time, I'm not like, uh, hello, Fudge Factory, little old lady. Um, I am actually working really hard to not blow up like a balloon, and I would not like to have any of your delicious sweets, even though they smell good. Um, no thanks. I walked in there, I was like, man, I am starving, and I have a long wait. How much of this can I buy, Aaron? Like, how much of this can we afford? Can I buy, can I buy the store, right? Like, I'm hungry, and all of a sudden, my decisions and my temptations are compromised, right? Like, I'm, I'm so easily falling into it. And you've probably been there too. You've probably said things in your life when you're angry, that you had to apologize for when your anger subsided. You've said things to people and you're like, hey, that's not, I'm so sorry. That's not how I actually f feel about you. I, I, was, I was angry and I was upset. Like in that moment, you were tempted to tell them off because you were so angry. You wanted to just let them have it and pay them back for that one thing that you've held against them for the last five years that they don't even remember. But you were angry and you let them have it because of your anger. Lonely. How many times have we fallen into traps because we feel lonely, that we've, we've given someone a pass in our life or we've allowed them into our lives in a way that they didn't, you know, deserve or, or, or this isn't the right stage of life for someone to be in our life. Or, you know, it's, we've convinced ourselves like, ah, it's not a big deal for me and my girlfriend to hang out alone on a Saturday night, you know, after midnight watching a movies in our apartment. It's like, hey, just because you're lonely doesn't make that a good idea. It, you know, like you're going to fall into temptation. Like it's, it's right there knocking on the door. If I was to ask you on Thursday morning, hey, do you think you would do that? I was like, oh, no, that sounds like a bad idea. I probably shouldn't do that. But on Saturday night, when you felt lonely and you, you, you're feeling that emotion, you're more susceptible to fall into it. When you're tired and you, you don't feel like staying up and studying, you're more tempted to create 
a cheat sheet or take a picture of your notes on your phone and pull that up on the test the next day because you're like, I'm tired and I don't really feel like studying. But at the beginning of the semester, if I said, hey, are you going to cheat your way through this class? You're like, no, I wouldn't do that. Like, why would I do that? But you get to the end of the semester and it's like finals and you haven't slept in two weeks and you're like, I'll do anything for this class to be over, right? Like, and your emotions compromise your decision-making. And I think so often what happens is our emotions tell us that we don't have to fight. It's just easier if we just let it happen. But we have to fight against temptation. We have to fight back against it um, because God promises us in his word that he doesn't tempt us. In fact, God helps us. And the apostle Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. In this, uh, Paul wants to explain to us like not only uh, the nature of temptation that James talks about, but he wants to explain to you how we actively need to be fighting back against our temptation. Because if you're letting the temptation come to you, uh, you're more often going to fall into it. But when we're taking the battle to it, we're way more successful in saying no to the things that we need to say no to. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 12, here's what the apostle Paul says. He says, so if you think that you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. What God promises is like, hey, when you face temptation, that is not ever your only option. In the scenario that I, I laid out for you of like the mousetrap of our lives, when we see the bait and we feel tempted to take the bait and we know the outcome and we know in our mind it's not good, but in our heart, our emotions tell us this is probably a good decision this moment. This might be your last chance to, to feel loved or to feel accepted or to feel this opportunity to get into this friend group or, or whatever it is that's leading your heart to say, yeah, but maybe I could just get in and out and not get injured. God is saying, hey, I am right there with you. And I'm offering you something else totally. In the moments where you feel the most alone, God promises you that he is right there with you. In the moments where you feel unloved and you want to take the bait to try to get love from another outside source, God says, hey, I've loved you from the beginning of your life. When, when, we're, when we feel like we, we have to, to take the bait to fall into a trap of, of feeling accepted, God's like, hey, I accept you with all of your faults known to me. I love you and accept you the same. God promises us that we're not alone when we face temptation. And what Paul says is that he is faithful and will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. This verse is one of the most often misquoted verses in all of scripture because people say, God won't give you more than you can handle. Yes, he will. <laughs> he, won't, he won't allow you to be tempted to sin beyond what you can handle. There's lots of things that happen in your life that are beyond what we can handle. I feel like, I mean, the older I get, the more weekly I'm like, God, I don't have it today. Like I need you to come through because I am struggling and I can't handle it, right? Like I feel daily, if not weekly, that I feel like I can't handle what's on my plate. But God says, I won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. What that means is God says, I will never allow you to be tempted to something that you cannot say no to. That when sin is presented to you and that trap is laid out before you and you don't see the trap clearly, all you see is the bait. God says, hey, I am there with you and I am, I've given you this. I've given you an opportunity to say no to that and come back to me. And what he tells us is that when we struggle with temptation, um, it, that's okay. Like when we have the moments where we're trying to decide, do I want to take the bait or do I want to follow God's plan for my life? I think so often, I, I don't know about you guys, but I will feel the guilt of like, I should be better at this by now. Like at this stage of my life, I should know I want God. I don't want the sin, right? Like I, I know in my mind, that's what I'm supposed to choose. 
And yet time and time again, I find myself falling into the sin or, or doing the thing I know I'm not supposed to do. And God reminds me, he's like, hey, it's not the struggle of the temptation that's the problem. In fact, the struggling with temptation is not the same thing as surrendering to temptation. When you find yourself at that crossroads and are you gonna take the bait or are you gonna follow God? Being at the crossroads is not the problem. That is not the sin. It's only when you take the bait. It's only when you go for the sin and you have to face the consequences of those sin. That's the problem. And I think a lot of times we convince ourselves like, well, here I am tempted again, right? Like might as well, I'm already thinking it. You know, no, I, I, here, I can't get any better. This is as best I can do. I might as well go ahead and take the bait again. And God's like saying, no, just because you're wrestling with it or you're trying to make the decision, you're not too far gone. And he says, I'm here with you the whole time and I have so much better for you on the other end of this decision. And I think what God wants us to know is that he offers us a way out. The question that we have to ask tonight is when we face temptation, when we're struggling with whether or not we wanna you know, follow our, our heart's desires over this thing that we know we're not supposed to have or whether we wanna follow God's desires for our heart, the question is, we have a way out. The question is, do you want a way out? Do you want to take God up on an offer that says, hey, in this moment, I may not feel like someone's physical love and, and, and affection for me, but I know that my heavenly father loves me and has a love for me that's so much greater than any one person can give me. Do I want to focus my time and attention on him and the great and glorious things that he has planned for me in my life? Or do I wanna take this momentary feeling and try to make it last, even though I know it won't because I've tried it time and time again. And I think what God wants for you tonight, TLR, is to, to be reminded that when you face temptation, when you feel that struggle, when you're, you're in that moment of like, hey, here I am again, struggling with the same sin again and again and again, God is right there with you saying, hey, I've got another way for you. Hey, I've provided a way you can say no to that and you can say yes to me. Hey, in this moment, you're like, I have gifted you and I have equipped you with people in your life. And if you don't know who those are, they're probably the people that in just a few moments, you're gonna go sit with in a circle and discuss this talk. I've given you people in your life that want what's best for you. They want to help you. They want to see you make the right decision and not take the bait and not fall into the same things time and time again in your lives. And in those moments, I feel like what we have to do and what we have to understand is we have to um, make changes in our lives. We're gonna to have to make changes. We're gonna to have to make tweaks. When we find ourselves at that crossroad, we're gonna to have to say, okay, God, I have to change some things. I have to, my decision-making and following my heart is not working for me. So what I have to do is I have to begin to change and, and, and make changes in my life. I, you know, I might have to change my circle, change the, the people in my life around me who speak into my life. You know, if, if every time you're hanging out with the same group of friends, you find yourselves getting into the same troubles and finding yourself with the same temptations and falling into the same sins, you might need new friends and that's okay. There's 8 billion people on the planet. You can make new friends. Like that's, that's an okay thing to say, hey, I might need to make some new friends. In fact, if you feel that way, you're at an awesome place to do that. There's a lot of people here tonight. You need to maybe make some friends before you go home tonight or come back next week and try again. Like this is a great place to make friends with people who already probably want what's best for you and think similarly than you. So maybe you need to change your, your circle. Maybe you need to change your environment. Uh, here's the thing. If you're struggling with, hey, uh, I've gotten into a really bad habit of, of every time I uh, you know, go out with my friends, I just get really drunk and I don't know what's going on. Quit going to bars, man. Like that, that, that's a really easy, like if you change your environment, it's gonna be a lot easier. You don't put yourself in the situation that lends you to that thing. 
If you change, you know, if, you're, if your friends aren't the problem, maybe the environment's the problem. Maybe you need to quit going to the places that offer you the problems and the temptations that you can't seem to shake or say no to. Maybe you need to change your thinking. Maybe in that moment, you need to think, hey, I need to know, think about my long-term self. You know, when you're, when you're tempted, maybe you're tempted to cheat on a test or on an assignment. You'd be like, hey, is this really how I wanna make it in life? Like cheat my way to the top and then not know how to actually do work or get things done? Or do I just wanna pass this class and survive till tomorrow? Because if you wanna pass the class and survive tomorrow, you might get away with the cheating. But 30, 40, 50 year old you, who's trying to run a business, who's a doctor, a lawyer, a successful teacher, or you know, whatever you're doing in life, is not gonna be well set up because you've cut corners the whole way to get there. And sometimes we just have to change our thinking to think about long-term versions of us, the, the, the us that we want to be in five years and 10 years and 20 years. And sometimes we just have to change our outlook and change our thinking. Some of you might just need to change your habits. Maybe just some of the habits and the way that you spend your time and, and you, know, you wake up in the morning and you know, run to class and then you get home from class and you, you watch Netflix or whatever and you're not spending any time in God's word, not spending any time learning and growing in, in who he wants you to be. Maybe some of you just need to change your habits. Whatever it is, whatever you need to change in your life, here's the, the bottom line. And here's what I really want you to understand tonight is the goal is progress, not perfection. The goal is progress, not perfection. So you see, on, on this side of eternity, there's not one of us in this room who's gonna get it right every single time. Like I daily struggle with, you know, getting things right or being tempted to like let my emotions get the best of me. I mean, I, I'll just be honest with you guys, just, just, just calling it how it is. Like even when I got here tonight, uh, my wife and I rode together here tonight. And when we got out of the car, I, you know, we got like snippy with each other and it was my fault. And I was like, I've got to go talk to people about, fighting temptation and not being emotional and all this stuff. And I can't even like get here without doing it, right? Like it's one of those moments where like, even tonight, Aaron, if you're here and you can hear my voice, I'm really sorry, I love you. Like it's one of those things where I can't even get here tonight and do that, right? We, we are not gonna be perfect. The idea is to make those moments happen fewer and fewer times. Because what that means is in those moments, you're saying no to the bait. You're saying no to the temptation more often. And you're saying yes to God and to his plans and to what he has for you in your life more often. And so the goal for us is progress, not perfection. And we know that because God's word promises us. One of my favorite chapters, one of my favorite like whole things in all of scripture is the, uh, in the book of Romans chapter eight. And Paul writes the book of Romans. And in Romans eight, he gives us some of the most encouraging words in here because Paul understood that, hey, none of us are perfect. We're all a work in progress and we're never gonna be perfect, you know, this side of heaven. And he's like, hey, for all of us, we need to understand that we're a work in progress. Here's what he, he opens chapter of Romans chapter eight with this. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, hey, if you know Jesus, God doesn't look at you and see the times that you took the bait. If you know Jesus and you've given your life to him, God doesn't see you and all your failures. He says, there's no condemnation for you. He says, God offers you unlimited grace, unlimited forgiveness. And he doesn't see your failures when he looks at you. He sees his son, Jesus, and all the ways that he got it right for you. And he closes the, the, the book of Romans 8. All of it's really good. I challenge you to read it this week. But he closes the chapter with these three verses, starting in verse 37. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor the, uh, angels or demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God 
that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He's like, hey, if you know Jesus, there's no condemnation for you. And if you know Jesus, there's no amount of times that you can take the bait and mess up to separate you from him. Our goal should not be to try to be perfect. I mean, we, we, we should try, but we are never gonna actually be perfect. That God gives us grace. Sometimes we just have to have a little grace for ourselves. My challenge to you guys this week is to, when you're faced with temptation, to stop and ask yourself, all right, it's okay to struggle with temptation. What am I choosing? Am I taking this bait that I know how it's going to end? I know that trap's going to close on me. I know it's going to be painful. Or am I taking the way out that God, my heavenly father, who loves me and cares for me and looks at me like he looks at his son, Jesus has provided. I hope that this week, as you begin to face the trials and temptations, when you face things that happen in your life, you're able to stop long enough and consider which of those two you would rather have.